Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. Uh, before I get into my message today, I want to show you something. This is the prequel, so to speak, uh, of my message. I want to give you some context. Um, all right. Now. I don't know if you um, have realized this or have thought about this, but when you have privilege or freedom or abundance, that means in the kingdom of God that you have a responsibility. Okay? Jesus said, who much is given, much is required. So when you live in a culture of freedom, in a culture of abundance, you shouldn't feel guilty about what you have. You shouldn't feel like feeling guilty does not lead you to do anything powerful. What you should feel is thankful because thankful does lead you to make powerful choices, to live generously, to live wisely. So we live, I don't know if you know this, but you know that there's like six billion people that would trade positions with you today, right now. Um, I'm gonna just share something. Sarah, um, Sarah and the girls were ministering, right? And the girls were in this barrio in the Dominican Republic, right in Bavaro, which is right outside of Punta Cana, right? And they're going door to door in the hood. And they're going door to door, praying for people, delivering food. Sarah, they go into a place where she sees a girl's shirt. And on the girl's shirt, it says this Bahia Principe, which is a resort in the Dominican Republic that I'm going tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be there Tuesday. This girl... I want to just show you someone else's reality so you understand. This girl with three children, no man in the house, right, lives in one square room. That's it. A little, a little, yeah, like more than a shack, less than a house. Like, like one room. So whether, you've, whether you acknowledge this or not, we are very... Very fortunate, very fortunate. <laughs> it's like insanely, we are the richest and fattest church that has ever existed in, in world history. Okay? So now, I am not saying this because we're taking offering, because <laughs> you guys are generous. I'm not saying this to make anyone feel guilty. I'm saying this so that we're aware. Because if we're not aware, we will not live like we're aware. Okay. The Bible, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is banned in 52 countries. Did you know that? Okay, I'm going to just read some of them to you. We're, we're going to go, 
we're going to walk through the Bible. Cool. I don't know what's on these pages. I'm not promoting what's on these pages. I'm just promoting this, this fact here. I don't know weird stuff could come on. And they'll be like, pastor's promoting weird stuff. Now, I'm not promoting anything except Jesus and the Bible. But I want to show you something. This is reality today. These are the countries right now that the Bible is banned in. Afghanistan, ruled by the Taliban, by a U.S. government failure. Iran. Kazakhstan. Kyrgyzstan. Maldives. This is really interesting. I was considering a vacation there. Now I'm, I'm still praying about it. Maldives. Have you ever seen some of the most insane pictures? You ever see little beaches with, with a little hut sticking out of the water and a hotel popping out of the water? That's the Maldives. Maldives. Mauritania. North Korea. Saudi Arabia. Somalia. Tajikistan. Turkmenistan. Uzbekistan. Yemen. My favorite coffee in the world comes from Yemen. But since the war, I haven't been getting it. Algeria. Bhutan. Brunel. Brunei, China, Cuba, Djibouti, Eritrea, Kuwait, Laos, Libya, Malaysia, Morocco, insane seafood in Morocco, Oman, Sudan, Tunisia, Bahrain, Bangladesh, Central African Republic, Colombia, Egypt, Ethiopia, India, Iraq, Jordan, Kenya, Lebanon, Mali, Miramar, Nepal, Niger, Nigeria, Pakistan, Philippines, Mindanao, I've been there, that's the South Island. The, when I flew into Davao years before that, they had hit that airport with terrorist attack. The airport, Mindanao, Philippines. Sri Lanka, Syria, Tanzania, Turkey, United Arab Emirates, and Vietnam. So these are all places where it's either illegal or severely restricted. Okay? I'm going to give you some, some more stuff just to, to marinate on. Now, these are the countries in which it's hardest to follow Jesus. So, so for example, there's things that you do as an expression of following Jesus. How do we follow Jesus? Jesus is not walking around West New York like a hippie vegan, drinking Starbucks, healing sick people and stuff like that. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He rose from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures. And the way we follow Jesus is by obeying his word. So in certain places, that is met with incredible resistance. Now, following Jesus' word, for some reason, it's so threatening to people for you to love your neighbor, love your enemy, bless those that curse you, be generous to the poor. What is so threatening about that? You know, you know who's, can I tell you something? You know, who, you know who feels threatened? Insecure people. Insecure people feel threatened. And they hear things that you're not saying because, you know. But these are so, anyway, I'm going to get off that for now. So now these are the places where it is hardest to follow Jesus. North Korea, Somalia, a failed state. You ever see Black Hawk Down? Because of Black Hawk Down, the Rwandan genocide happened. Did you know that? It's giving you free historical context. The United States pulled their forces out of that part of Africa, which left a vacuum of power, which allowed that to happen, just so you know. Yemen, Eritrea, Libya, Nigeria, Pakistan, Iran, Afghanistan, Sudan, India. These are the places in which it is most difficult 
to follow Jesus. So now this is what I'm getting you ready to think about. I want to encourage you not to feel guilty about your freedom, not to feel guilty about abundance, but to thank God for it and to use it to your advantage for the kingdom of God. Are, are you with me? I'm going to give you one more and then I'm going to get into the word today. Now here are countries in which these are the most dangerous countries on earth. Right here. Afghanistan, ruled by the Taliban. Central African Republic, Iraq, Libya, Mali, Somalia, South Sudan, Syria, Ukraine, Yemen. These are, these are the places in which it is most dangerous right now. I don't know if it still is, but without any war, San Pedro Sula was the murder capital of the world. With, with, not in a war, just as it is. Right? Out of 50 murder cities in the world, 13 of them are in Brazil. Okay, so the world is a jacked up place. I don't know if you realize that. But we as kingdom citizens have the solution. The solution is Jesus. The solution is not more bombs, more tanks or anything like that. But the solution is the way of peace, the way of love, the way of forgiveness, the way of the kingdom. See, here's the thing that even when you even when justice comes forth, the Bible says that mercy triumphs over judgment. Okay, judgment most of the time is, is, is justice. So, so for example, let's just say, right, that, that someone is, an active shooter comes in, should start shooting someone, and, and someone, you know, armed, you know, they pull up, boom, shoot him, they stop it. That, that's good, they stop it. I'm all for that. I have no problem with that. I'll, I'll pull out and shoot him. I don't care. But, but so that, I'm just telling you, that's fine. You, you, you cannot harm innocent people. You cannot. Now that stops the problem. But let me show you how mercy is even more powerful than that. There was a, there was a sick white guy that went into an all-black church in the South a couple years ago and he started shooting black people for no reason, which is ridiculous. It's crazy. Which is an act of terrorism, hatred. It's demonic. The lady, one of the black ladies, one of the church mothers who they killed her son forgave that evil man. That is more powerful and more transformative than just pulling out a gun and shooting that guy. Because that doesn't change anything. It stops something, but it doesn't change anything. So, so mercy is more powerful than judgment because so, that has judgment mercy has the real power to really transform someone who can receive that mercy so anyway I wanted to show you uh, a little bit about danger and specifically related to Christianity today because today I want to talk about hope and uh, in this in the context of the scriptures and last week, I don't know if you were here or if you saw it, but I was talking about Jesus in the scriptures. How did Jesus use the scriptures? So that's a very important thing. Remember when Jesus met the devil in the wilderness? He quoted Deuteronomy three times. He did not unhitch himself from the Old Testament. Like Andy Stanley said, don't unhitch yourself from the Bible. Uh, hitch yourself to the Bible, understand the Bible, don't just read the Bible, let the Bible read you, 
Hide God's word in your heart so that you do not sin against God. If God's word is really hidden in your heart, Jesus will be visible in your life. So the Bible is not to make me more religious, dogmatic, and angry. The Bible is to bring a deep transformation of my inward man to make me like Jesus so I can represent him well in this earth. Okay? So this is, this is, this is important. I want to get into this because what does the scripture say about scriptures? For those of you who want to give, this is how you can give. I'm going to leave this here for a minute or two and then uh, I'm going to move beyond that. But what does the scripture say? This is something to, to consider in your life as you grow, if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, I cannot hold you to a standard that you don't believe in, right? But if you're saying, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, okay, good, cool, that's fine. So, so then what does this say about money? You have a slide right there, right? What does this say about sexuality? What does this say about how I should respond when someone is not kind to me? On and on. What does this say? I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. What does this say to husbands? What does it say to fathers? So as, as a Christian, if I'm a Christian, there has to be something, there has to be a standard in which we are judged by and we judge by. So, so there has to be an agreed standard. If there's no agreed standard, we cannot communicate. It's like if I'm speaking to, to DK and DK is speaking to me in Korean, I don't speak Korean. And I start yelling back to him in tongues, well, he doesn't, we cannot, because we don't have an agreed upon standard. Now, we will say, okay, we speak English, so that is the agreed upon standard and language which we're going to use. Now we can communicate, there can be mutual understanding, there can be trust built, there can be relationship built, because there's a standard. If you're a Christian with no standard, then what is the standard? And you know something? You do not have to believe in the standard for the standard to be the standard. You don't have to understand the standard for the standard to be the standard. I don't understand exactly how gravity works, but if I push this computer, I will become a victim of gravity. So you may not understand the spiritual world, you may not understand how things work, but yet you are still subject to what you don't understand and what you're ignorant of. Let's just say I park outside and I don't know there's no parking on Tuesdays. It doesn't matter if I'm born again, speak in tongues, if I give 50% of my, you know, uh, you know, my money and offerings away. It doesn't matter. When that guy rolls by for a ticket, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to get a ticket. So ignorance doesn't excuse me. I always say this to people. People look at me like, your excuses don't excuse you. In a culture that we live in now, if you want to be ignorant, it's because you're choosing to be ignorant. You, you can you, you say, oh, you don't even have to have money. You can, go to, you can go online and get a Bible. Your phone. Anyone, it's free. Like anyone who does not want to be ignorant doesn't have to be ignorant. You want to know something? You want to know a real kicker? We've been to, you know, Jose has been with, Jim was with me. Jose, Jim, Isaac. We're going to a refugee camp in uh, Uganda. And do you know that people have smartphones? You living in a shack. 
and you got a smartphone and you're on Facebook, people have access to what they're hungry for. Listen, if you have a desire for something, then you have a direction toward that desire. This is why people, people who are like, oh, I don't have discipline. No, the problem is not discipline. You don't have desire. Desire fuels discipline. Whatever you have a real desire for, you have discipline for. All right. Now, the scriptures were written and the spirit was given that you might have hope. I'm going to quantify this biblically. I'm not just making up quotes for you. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to quantify this. You're going to see it. It's all in one specific place where we're going to land in a little while. But the scriptures were written and the Spirit was given. The Holy Spirit was given that you might have hope. Hope is a big deal. Bill Johnson says whoever has the most hope has the most influence. Okay. Track with me. So the church for thousands of years couldn't sell sex because that was illegal. Now it's like everyone's selling everything. But what did the church sell for a long, 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 long time? Fear. The end of the world is coming. 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. 89 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1989. Some of this is before your time. Go and Google it. Research what I'm saying. So, so you go on Christian TV and they're selling you end of the world packages. And, and, you, you, and they're talking about incessantly. The end, the, because what the enemy is trying to do is the enemy wants to speak into your life. Remember when we had someone came in who was drunk? They wanted the microphone. Remember that? That's because the devil wants to speak into your life. And the devil wants to curse your future and take your hope. If you have no hope, you will not be able to make decisions in the present that are painful, that position you for a better future later. Hope. Okay. Now, we're going to go scripture on scripture today. Let's go Romans 15. This could be a hostage situation. <laughs> Romans 15. Uh, one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to move through the text because I want the text to talk to us. But I'm just going to tell you my agenda now from the beginning. My agenda in preaching is to get you more into the Bible. This is a disclaimer. I'm not selling Bibles today, <laughs> but I, my goal is to legitimately get you in Scripture more and to get more Scripture in you. And I'm going to say one of the reasons why in a few minutes. But Romans 15, 1. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. So the, the, this is the, let me show you one thing about strength in the kingdom of God. Strength in the world is to flex on people. That's what the world does. The world uses strength. They get on the camera. They start talking junk. Blah, 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 blah. Pride, junk. So that they get in a ring and they fight each other for a lot of money. And violence is pervasive in America. And we love violence in America until it affects someone we love. 
you like to sit and watch someone beat, beat the pants off someone, except if it's your uncle who gets robbed on the way to his car and they beat him up. So that's, that's a whole other thing. In America, we have an obsession with violence. It's not good. It's not good. I'm sorry. I know that touches people, but we have an obsession with violence until that violence touches someone we love and then all of a sudden we don't like violence anymore. So anyway, in the kingdom of God, the purpose of strength is not to flex on people, it's to lift people. So the purpose of power in the kingdom is to release healing and wholeness in life, not to make a power move or control people. The total opposite, just to let you know, okay? Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. So this is not talking about living to please people in that sense. What it's talking about is not doing things that are harmful to your neighbor, but being considerate of your neighbor. For example, let's say I can drink a glass of wine because I was never an alcoholic or a crackhead. But I know that you used to have a legitimate alcohol problem. I'm not going to crack a bottle of wine in front of you because I'm not going to cause you to stumble. So my freedom is not as important as your well-being. That's another thing in, in, in the kingdom. We have to be sensitive to people. If you are strong, you have to bear with the weak, not flex on them. So anyway. Three, for even Christ himself did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So Jesus did not live in a way that was self-seeking. He did not live to please himself. Although he had a perfect will, he didn't live to do his will. He came to do the Father's will. Imagine being perfect and still not doing what you want. <laughs> That's not easy. I'm like, but it's right. Don't do that. And just because something is good or right doesn't mean you should do it. The essence of power, the, the, the essence of God in the demonstration of his power is very different than us. When we have power, we do something, we go somewhere, we buy something. Are you with me? The most natural and, and the most common expression of God's power is what he chooses not to do. That is really uh, alarming. The most common manifestation of God's power is him withholding and restraining himself to do something that he could do and would be justified in doing and no one could stop him doing, but he chooses not to do it. That to me is just like, because you always say, if I was this, I would do that. I, I know. That's why we don't worship you on Sunday morning. <laughs> it's okay. I, I don't want to be worshipped either, trust me. It'd be a big mess. All right, verse 4. For whatever were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So Paul here is referring to Old Testament scripture, and he's saying this, that it was written for a specific reason, that through patience, say through patience, you know what the scriptures do? The scriptures make you steadfast. The world always wants to break you. God wants to build you and make you steadfast. 
The scriptures make you strong. Here's why. Because the scriptures give you a moral absolute and your soul needs moral absolutes to function correctly. The Bible says this, that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The soul needs moral absolutes to be converted or to be convinced that God's way is right, is wise, is sustainable, and frees you up to be truly human. This is really important. So God wants you to have patience, but God also wants you to come to the scripture for comfort. Why? Okay, if I go to the bar for comfort, I wind up with more pain, less money, less health, and less trust. Right? So it's, it's all take, it's all lose. So I go, with, I'm go, I go down and I leave worse. The fact that too much alcohol dehydrates you, that should be a real uh, a notification that that's not good for you. The fact that it's called wine and spirits brings you under the influence of something, that should let you know that that's not, like it's, they're like telling you wine and spirits for a reason. It's like a full disclaimer. We used to call Jack Daniels devil juice. Yeah, because there's some stuff that triggers stuff in your life, you don't need that. The best decision that, that many Christians can make is to say, I'm gonna be sober for the rest of my life. That's powerful. The Bible calls us to be sober-minded. The Bible doesn't say drinking wine is a sin, but the Bible says being drunk is a sin, and when you're drunk, you, you are overly vulnerable. You, you can see a guy big and strong and, and, and huge, and he's coming out of a, a nightclub in New York City sloppy, and he'll get, he'll get his clock cleaned and his pockets ran because he's sloppy. Getting sloppy will never benefit you. Never benefit you in any, in any sense. Okay. Now. May the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. So he's talking about the scripture providing us with patience and comfort and hope. And then the very next thing is he's talking about us being like-minded. Why? Because we have a common place of agreement. I cannot be... I cannot have, and this is why many people in their home, they do not have unity in their home because they don't have a common place of agreement. What is, what is, what is the place of agreement is feelings, what I feel like, what I don't feel like, what, no, 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 this is this, Jesus is a standard, this is a standard. We're going to hold the line on this. So if I get out of line, you're going to call me to this. If you get out of line, I'm going to call you to this. See, that creates safety. And that creates accountability, which most people don't want accountability, but they want the fruits of accountability. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I don't want a job, but I want a paycheck. You know, like, well, that's, no, that's, that's quite not how it works. And that's why we're, our society is so broken, because we live in a generation of people that values pleasure over commitment. Do you know that there is a scene, I'm going to be graphic because there's no children here. You know, there's a scene in the book of Genesis where a man, his brother dies, 
and the guy is sleeping with his brother's wife and instead of impregnating her so the family name can go on he pulls out old school style <laughs> pulls out <laughs> and God strikes the guy dead immediately this happened this is in the Bible the principle there that is if if you embrace pleasure with no commitment it leads to death this is a generation of people that live with a with a mindset and a propensity toward I will value pleasure over commitment if you have that mentality you will not have financial integrity you will not have sexual integrity you will not have any type of integrity because you will always always lean toward what is beneficial to you like like if I think about only what is beneficial to me I won't talk to you straight I'll do nice and light and sweet but I'm not trying to build an audience we're trying to build a church Jesus said go and make disciples he didn't say go and build an audience that's why when people go light and sweet it's far and wide people go hard to the body <laughs> it's like <laughs> but you know what there's no change unless God addresses me you know when I when I get in the Bible the Bible has no mercy on me the Bible doesn't go oh he's a pastor he's a missionary oh, he. no 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 God goes ha good I'm gonna go to town on you worse so anyway for whatever things were written before were written for our learning in other words if you see someone else making a mistake don't make that mistake if, if you see someone doing something crazy in the Bible don't do that like the like mostly in the Bible it's like do what Jesus did and mostly don't do what mostly everyone else did it's like it doesn't take a you know a brain surgeon to figure out like these guys they did crazy stuff so God is really interesting because God doesn't do a non-disclosure agreement God will put his best friends biggest blunders on display for world history so that you learn so that I learn why waste that pain and that shame and that craziness why not learn from it I'm old enough now where I'm not learning the same lessons twice I've been there I've done that I went around that mountain if I learn a lesson I've done learned it so if you let me say this if God teaches you something in your life from scripture from a mistake from a trial from a failure sometimes from a success learn the lesson don't go back around don't waste your life okay verse 6 that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ so the, the scriptures make us like-minded because we have the mind of Christ and it also uh, helps us to have one mind and one mouth have you ever met someone who's double-tongued You cannot be unified with someone who's double-minded. <laughs> this is why some marriages are very tough because you have someone who is unstable 
and you want to have unity with instability. This is why it's very important that you get healing in your life. You let God heal you so that double-mindedness gets broken so you become whole, solid, steady, firm, so that you can then have one mind and one, one mouth. You know what the scriptures do? The scriptures bring my mind and my mouth into agreement. All right? Now, therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So now Paul is in verse 7, Paul is using Jesus, he's using Christ, the Messiah, as the example. So he's using the scripture, listen, he's using the scripture as, these are, this is for your learning. <laughs> nice way of saying, hey, learn from their mistakes, bro. Oh, the example is Jesus. Not people who didn't know him, not people who misrepresented him. Him. Don't let someone who misrepresented Jesus turn you away from Jesus. That's what happens when people get hurt in the church. They let someone that misrepresented Jesus take them away from the real thing. Don't not buy a Rolex because they're fake Rolexes. Just buy a real one. You know, that was free advice. All right. Now I say that Christ Jesus has become a servant, a diakonos, a deacon. This is a Jesus. This is, you know what a deacon is? A deacon is someone who does menial, mundane table service. Can I tell you something? There is nothing mundane in the kingdom of God. If you are not faithful in little, you will not be faithful with much. If you're not faithful bringing someone food, no one will ever bring you food. I, I saw something from my first pastor that really affected me. We were sitting and having lunch one day, and he has a nice, beautiful office, and, and he, you know, so I'm sitting there, and he has a little espresso machine in his office. He has a little gold cup, like a gold cup, legit. And uh, so he's looking at his secretary, older lady, and uh, she looked tired. So he gets up. In the middle of him having lunch, he makes her an espresso, and he brings it with his cup, his gold cup, to her desk, and he gives her an espresso. And that really hit me that he, he was able to see her. She works for him. But he was able to see her. That's leadership. That's kingdom. That, that, that is, you, you don't just sit here, everyone's serving you and stuff like that. That's, that's, but no, you have the spirit of a service. So this is Jesus has this. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a deacon, a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God. So Jesus came to serve the Jewish people with the truth of God and the fulfillment of the scripture. Stick with me. To confirm the promises made to the patriarchs, or to the, excuse me, to the fathers. So, so the promises were made to the patriarchs. That's why the gospel is first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. It's not about priority, it's about the fulfillment of the promises made. When Paul talks about the righteousness of God is being revealed, he, he is not talking about God's moral uprightness because a first century Jew would never question the moral uprightness of God. 
But what he's talking about is God's covenant faithfulness. In other words, God doing what he said. Are you guys with me? Are you guys freezing? I'm sorry, this is man temperature. You know, they got, they got my wife, Tina got my wife a blanket. It's like a hoodie. Because if she's going to come in my office, it's like always freezing. So maybe you guys want to bring a hoodie to church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, sorry for the online people. They're not getting the frozen tundra here. Uh, and okay, now it comes. Here it comes. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy yet is written. For this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing your name. So he's quoting the Psalms. This is Paul. I want to show you he's masterfully doing something. That I want to show you what he's doing. He's Christ-centering our behavior. He's saying because Jesus treated people this way, we should treat people. Because Jesus received us, we should receive you. So, so Jesus is the example. This is very important. If you have the wrong example, look at cultures who have the wrong example. Oh, you think I won't say it? Look at how dysfunctional the, the Italian American people were because they had the wrong heroes, mob guys. Look at the black community. They have the wrong heroes. Look, go into the hood. You're in the hood right now. You, you know what they champion in the hood? Drugs, the abuse of women, the dehumanization of women, the, 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 the incessant need for more, the worship of materialism. If you have the wrong heroes and you tell the wrong stories, you're going to get the wrong outcome. Brett, ben Carson, who's a brain surgeon, he's not the hero. Who's the hero? The guy that sold crack and has gold teeth. That's the hero. That's the legend. Yeah, if he keeps being your standard, you're going to destroy yourself. Anytime, and it doesn't matter if you're white, black, green, anytime you exalt the wrong people, you get the wrong results. Okay? Anyway. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, which is us. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him or praise him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, now, so he's, he's going in. He's quoting uh, the Psalms. He's quoting um, Isaiah. He's using the Old Testament scripture. For a reason. This is what I want you to see. Verse 12. There shall be a root of Jesse who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, which is us. So if you're a non-Jew, you're a Gentile. White, black, blah, blah, blah. that's what you are. You're we are Gentiles. Okay? And I'm going to tell you there's not all these different races. There's only one human race. There's different ethnicities and languages and colors, but there's only one human race. The word race is a racist word. That is a false construct because the blood of a black guy can save a white guy because they are the same race. The Bible says that we all came from one blood. So we keep using the wrong identification, the wrong language. We don't fix the problem. 
anyway, that's the side, sidebar here. So, so in 12, a root shall, of Jesse shall rise, literally from the dead, right? <laughs> rise to reign over the Gentiles. And it says, in him, this is what I want to get you, in him, say in him, Amen. in Christ, in Jesus, the Gentiles, us, shall hope. Now, the English language is not a good language. I'm sorry. For those of you bilingual, you already know. If you speak Spanish, French, Portuguese, I'm not sure about Korean because I don't know fully. But if you speak any of those languages, immediately you know that American English is very flat and it's very like... The word here in Greek, it means something profound. So if you read the Old King James, it'll say, In him shall the Gentiles trust. <laughs> That's good, but it's just not it either. Uh, and, and in New King James, it says hope, and that's good too, but that's not it either because the Greek is just a different, different level. But it means this, in him they shall confide in and expect from. That's real intimacy. In him they shall confide in but in him they shall expect from. Listen to me. Do not ever confide in people that do not have the power to help you. Don't ever tell someone your situation if they're in the same situation. <laughs> you only, listen, in the kingdom of God, crap goes uphill. So in the world, you go to the bathroom, there's pitch. I, used, I know because I used to be a plumber. I still deal with crap. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you go to the bathroom and it goes whoop, and it goes out to the street. It takes pitch. In the kingdom, if you want to get rid of crap, you got to go uphill. You got to go to someone wiser. Someone you you you, you cannot not down. Many people, listen to me, many people that only have peer relationships are stuck. They're stuck because someone on their level is not going to get them to the next level. All right. In him shall the Gentiles hope, trust, confide in, and expect from. So when I take my baggage to the Lord, Right? Because I'm have i I'm human, right? When I take my baggage, Adam, when I take my baggage to the Lord, right? I also expect him to bring direction, wisdom, and solutions. Are, are you with me? This is very important. You have a place to go. You are not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You have someone to turn to. Don't go to other things that will only make things worse. Please. I'm saying that as 
as someone that legitimately cares. I don't want to see you do that. Verse 13. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The scripture was given and the Spirit was given that we might have hope. I'm going to say that again. The scriptures were written and the Spirit was given that we might have hope. But it's not just enough for you to have hope. You have to overflow hope. Like you should be leaking, not pain on Instagram. Not, you know, discontent on Facebook. You should be leaking hope. People should get around you. Hope should be bubbling up out of your cup. People be like, why you got that hope, man? Why, why are you so happy, man? What's wrong with you? Jesus. Jesus. They, they should feel your expectations. This is really important. Rejoice, Paul says in, in Romans 12, rejoice in hope. So that means that my expectation of what is coming affects my emotional state now. Although hope is not a feeling, it does affect the feelings. How do I know? What happens when you look on your phone? Uh-oh. We're going to go there. We're going to get human on you. And Jose will be honest with me since Mary is not here. What happens when you have something, Jose and I, we check our FedEx, right? Sure. So you have sneakers out for delivery. Are you looking? Sure. I think I've refreshed that thing 400 million times. I may need help. But I got expectations, bro. I, I'm looking. You, you may think that the FBI is after me. I walk to my front door. I walk outside. I look. I'm... I'm like, I'm, I, because I have real expectations. So it has to affect you. Did you know that it is the power of the Holy Spirit? You think that the power of the Holy Spirit, just you speak in tongues, fall on the floor and go home and live the same? No, no, no. The Holy Spirit affects and causes the human heart to overflow with hope. Do you know that it is impossible in the human condition to overflow with hope apart from God? That's why the world is a mess. Hopeless. Depressed. Anxious. You know, I told you the story. I was in Dubai. I was in a pool in Dubai. And a white guy wants to talk to me. He keeps wanting to talk to me. Him and his wife, their girlfriend, whatever they are, they want to talk to me, talk to me. Five minutes of talking to me, the guy tells me, I, you know, I wanted to jump off a cliff. I'm like, that ain't white folks are crazy. He said, I want to jump off a cliff. I go, he goes, I got money. You know, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just not happy. I just don't have, inside, I'm not, this is the state of the world. This is people who are, detached or apart or far from God, they are hopeless and they need someone like you to overflow onto them so that they can say, what is the reason for the hope? Why are you like that? Americans, like, oh, if you're a good, if you have any common sense, you know, you know that America is in real trouble. 
When you switch the narrative on them and you tell them why you're hopeful and who your hope is in, they, don't, they look at you like, they're not used to that. They want someone else to feed their fear, but I, I encourage you not to feed people's fear. Give them a reason why you're hopeful and who your hope is in. So anyway, the Holy Spirit is the one who causes the human heart and, and you, know, you know the word heart in Greek is the word cardia, which is thoughts and feelings. So when the Bible says that God dwells in your heart by faith in Ephesians, right? In Greek, what it means is that God wants to dwell, which means live. He wants to dwell in your heart, in your thoughts, in your feelings, by faith. Which means what you believe, listen to me, is more powerful than what you feel. What you believe has the power to shift what you feel. Okay. Alright. <laughs> Don't worry, we just get started on playing. So... <laughs> I'm going to give you just another example. This is 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 1 through 13. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual uh, rock and that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this quickly to, for you though. Okay? Now, these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted after. Do you remember that the first expression of impatience was idolatry? The golden calf. Moses, his assistant pastor... <laughs> What did the assistant pastor do this week? <laughs> well, he helped the people make a golden calf. Well, thanks, pal. It's great to know you have worship covered while I'm gone. <laughs> so so the, the, the expression of impatience is idolatry. The first thing they reach for is something that they control. They want a God that they can form with their own hands. Welcome to America. They, people in America will make race, which is a false narrative God. They will make money God. They will make this self-hatred God. They will make they, any lust God. And, and the thing is that lust has the power to pull you out of your place. Pull you out of your position. Don't let it. You have to identify it because it can really destroy you. Now, what Paul is doing here in, in the scripture and in his epistle, because he's writing to the Corinthians. So when you write to the Corinthians, it's like you're writing to the Americans. Whether you acknowledge this or know this or not, America gets its worldview from the Greco-Roman era. So we fought British people. White people killed white people because they didn't want to pay taxes. Right? 
they fought their own brother for taxes. So you think that they're not going to kill natives or, or enslave black people? They, they kill their own brother. If a dude will kill his own brother for money, what makes you think he won't kill someone that doesn't look like him? I mean, this is the story of America. In God we trust. But America's God is money. This is why they cannot find healing because they're hung up on color, but the problem was greed, not black and white. The motive was greed. So they see slavery or they see, you know, a genocide of, of uh, indigenous people and they say, oh, I'm sorry, they give you land, they throw money at them, but they don't fix the issue, which is the issue is greed. That's the issue. So, so, so you, you, you see the outward, people see black or white, or they see this and that, but that, that, the, the heart motive is greed, which they won't address. See, we live in a culture and a time that wants to address the inequalities, but not the iniquity that drives the inequalities. People don't want to address the real thing. They want to wash feet, say, I'm sorry, hug each other, and then go and live their life instead of learn to live as brothers. You know, like Starbucks, equality, 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 but you don't see no Starbucks in the hood. So I'm, you know, had to tell you that for, for a second. All that talk is talk. So anyway... <laughs> Here we come. Okay. What Paul does is he Christ centers Israel's history and Israel's story. And he brings the Gentiles in on it because he's saying, listen to what he says carefully. Moreover, brethren, when I, if I call you a brother, that means that we have the same father, that we are the same family. That's why in the kingdom, we're not separated by by nationality or ethnicity or politics, Jesus is Lord, that is daddy, and he brings us into the family. So we have, one, we, in Christ, we are one family. We may look different and vote different, but we are in Jesus, we are one family. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers, he's talking to Greek people, listen to what he says. He calls them our fathers. Why? Because when you believe in Jesus, you get grafted into the Israel of God. And the Israel of God is the believing community. And the people of God are not about ethnicity. The people of God are about faith. And the people who were listening were his people. The same as the people today that are listening are God's people. Are you with me? So he brings the Gentiles in to the story of Israel. You know, God is very is smart. God sends the sharpest Jewish mind, who is from the tribe, by the way, of Benjamin, which is Cush, which is Africa. Which is probably why Paul was beaten in Rome, because they didn't think he was a Roman citizen, because he was probably darker than you think. You think Paul had blonde hair, blue eyes, or whatever. No. And he was short and dinky looking. So, so, so that's another thing. But Paul brings them in. 
he brings the Gentiles in, specifically he's talking to the Corinthians. He brings them into the story of Israel. So what does God do? God takes his sharpest Jewish mind, sends them to the Gentile world so that they would understand the promises that were made to the patriarchs so that they can be a part of the family of God and understand that they have a different history and a different origin. You know what happens? You know what people do? In America, we monetize off everything. People monetize on people's lack of identity. That's why they spend millions of dollars, billions of dollars to know what is the DNA? Ancestor, this and that. They exploit people's lack of identity. I don't care where I came from. I came from my mother. And I'm going to be judged by God according to the scripture. I don't care if I'm 26% Nigerian and 3% Turkish. I don't care. That doesn't mean nothing to me. It means nothing. It's descriptive, not definitive. You don't lose your origin and your ethnicity, but it is simply a description of you, not a definition of you. So you can't give that too much. That's what the children of Israel did. They made their ethnicity an idolatry. That's why Jesus' best guys after the resurrection are going, Hey Jesus, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? When are you going to MAGA Israel? When is Israel going to be MAGA? When are you going to make Israel great again? And he goes, oh, it's not for you to know. The time and the seasons. But you'll be my witnesses. So they were thinking geopolitical, which we have a real anchor in that, because that's where we believe the solutions are. That's why. They're thinking geopolitical. He's thinking on earth as it is in heaven. So we have to... Okay, now, they all drank of that spiritual rock, for they all drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So now... He's reorienting Israel's history around Jesus. Listen, and then he's bringing the Gentiles into the family of God as part of that history. Do you know, listen, people will tell you, this is really something. You, you go to church, there is hundreds of books on generational curses, routing demons, rerouting demons, sending, you know, all these books, no one will ever tell you, you have brought, brought into the family of God, you are the sons of Abraham, the blessing of God is on your life. No one will tell you that. They'll tell you you're cursed, you got to repent for sins you didn't even commit, oh my God, the devil's coming, blah, 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 blah. And, and again, as I was saying when I was talking about the mob in the hood, if you have the wrong heroes, you tell the wrong stories, and you keep repeating that. Listen, do you know why? You, do you know why successful people are all around successful people? Because it's hard to fail. When you're isolated around all people that win, it's very hard to lose. In fact, you have to try to lose. Because the, the relationships and the direction is different. The language is different. I was talking to, to one of my friends, a, a wealthy guy, 
10, 12 years ago, and I was like, oh man, the market is going to drop, it's going to be bad. He's smiling. Big smile, eternal smile. Oh, I'm going to make a lot of money. While everyone else is afraid, he's thinking 20 years from now. People who live in fear are usually thinking about right now. There's, there's no, they're short-sighted. They cannot see that, that in the kingdom of God, it's seed, time, and harvest. And that's not just about money. That's about anything that is kingdom. It requires a seed. Last night, when I started looking at the places where the Bible is a problem, you know what the Lord challenged me to do? Sow a seed. He said, you know, you're going to tell everyone about a problem that you're not even going to do anything about? That's like, you sow a seed. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be like, oh, the Bible is hard in 52 countries. And then I don't say that. I don't do nothing. It's like, it's like, you know, anyway. Uh, it's personal. I'm not going to say what it was. It's not about, it's never about an amount. And it's never about doing things to be seen. It's always about learning to agree with God. Learning to come into agreement and alignment so that the blessing can flow. Okay? All right. Now, I'm done with this. I got one more. I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do it. So anyway, uh, this is Paul. He's talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he says this in 2 Timothy 3, but know that in the last days or in the last times the word in Greek is is kairos so it's not the end of the world uh, like, like, like that that's another story but it's kairos not chronos so you have watch time is chronos in Greek but but God time God appointed time is is kairos Listen to the word he uses there in Greek and let, let that just sink in. I can't, for those of you who think and not just feel. Okay. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times, Kairos, will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal. The, the word there is actually savage. Actually, not in a good savage. Uh, savage. Uh, despisers of good, uh, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. If people are preaching a powerless gospel, leave. If people are doing a form of godliness but no power to change, leave. Do not go to a financial consultant who's broke. <laughs> See, no? Okay. Anyway, for this sort are those who creep into the household uh, and make captive of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. So he's talking about a problem in the church. I don't know if you're getting that. He's not talking about a problem in the world. He's saying that this is going to become the condition 
in the church. I don't know if you're seeing that because he runs it back to these men that are coming into women's homes to try to exploit them. Okay. Always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning, no transformation. Head knowledge, but not heart change. Watch the example he uses. I'm going to tell you because maybe you don't know who these guys are. Uh, always learning, never come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as... Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so did these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. You know those two guys, the J and J? Those are two guys that tradition says, that Jewish tradition, not Bible, so you know. Jewish tradition believed that those were the names of the magicians that Moses went against in Egypt. Just giving you that, you know. I gotta give you something here. Okay, now James resisted Moses, so did these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. As you know what happened to Egypt. But you, my carefully, uh, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, Perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium, at Lystra, uh, what persecutions I endured, and out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. Can I tell you something about your worst day? You outlasted your worst day. Thank God. Thank God. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That is the nature of evil. It is the downward spiral. Perversion has no boundaries. I told people this. People were looking at me like I'm crazy. They, they introduced homosexuality and they desensitized people in the 80s and 90s with one gay kid on a show and they made him look like a joke and then they made you feel bad for him and they made you accept him and then they made you affirm him and now if you say anything against him you have hatred so the the the, the perversion that was not addressed in the church which first is is heter heterosexual perversion has become common for believers to live together which is sinful that was accepted Pastors in the pulpit never said anything because of the tithes and offerings. Most people didn't say stuff about it. I've always said something about it. Not judging people, but there's a standard. So then we, we lose that line. Then there's perversion in the pulpit. Half of Christians are like, I think it's like addicted to porn. Half or not half, one in four. It's, a, it's, a, it's an obscene number and it's not much different than the number in the world. Yeah. So now, here, here's the thing. So then, so then we go for the homosexuality thing, right? Not we, the world. They go for the homosexuality thing out of compassion, but it's destructive. How do I know it's destructive? The suicide rate within that community. That tells you it's destructive. That self-hatred, 
and leads to self-destruction. So then, now we hate ourselves. so now we want to mutilate our own body. It's my body, my choice. Well, it is your body, but that's a baby inside of you, and it's not, you're choosing to kill someone else. So it's not just your body, and my body, my choice. So, so then we, you know, that's destructive. And if you've had an abortion, God can heal you. God doesn't hate you. God isn't mad at you. There's healing in Jesus. But if you do destructive things, it damages you. The, the, the abortion doctor doesn't go, can I explain to you what you're going to feel? Can I explain to you the risks of maybe you not being able to get pregnant later? Can I? Can I? They're not honest with you. They go, freedom, freedom, freedom. For five or six hundred dollars, they'll kill your child. But they don't care about you. This is the culture that we're living in. And so then you have... You have the, 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 the trans movement, which is really just a self-hatred. It's an expression of self-hatred. And, and I'm not pointing a finger. I'm, I'm trying to show you something that is, is a downward spiral. You see how he says evil men growing worse and worse? Perversion has no boundaries. So you watch, you watch porn, you become perverse. Perversion leads to violence. So then, then, you got the transgender movement. Now, they are trying, they are trying to, to switch the name of a pedophile to a map. Minor, attracted person. And do you know, you know where this was put forth? TED Talks. The ones who are the purveyors of culture and what is acceptable. And this is damaging. The next, they made Fluffy a billion dollar industry. I'm sorry if you love your dog, I'm not against you. But dogs are not people. Dog is dog. I love dogs, they're great. I mean, you want to call it your fur baby, that's all good. But listen to me, a dog is not a person. So when Fluffy became a person, that was legitimizing bestiality. And now people are marrying their dogs. I saw a Japanese guy. He paid like nineteen dollars or $20,000 to be turned into a collie. And he was being walked around by a white lady. I, I go into my head, this, this is insane. I, I didn't think a Japanese person would be dumb enough to... Be a dog. I thought it was a white guy. Honestly, I was like, that's a white guy. I was shocked. I was shocked. But, you know, it's just crazy. Nothing against white people. I'm white. But, but, I, I was, I was, I, but, but what happened is there's no boundaries to perversion. That's why if you don't cut off perversion in your life and say, no, no, no. I'm not going to engage with that. You know, then that, 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 that's where it goes. Okay, I'm, I'm almost done. This has been a full hostage. Uh, okay, now, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing uh, from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise... For salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the scriptures are not to make us more religious or more mean or more against everything. 
but they're, they're supposed to make us wise for salvation, but also to bring salvation to people because those people that are stuck in sin are suffering. They think that their sin is the solution, but it's causing them more pain. How do I know? Because I used to live like that, not, not cutting my body and stuff, but I, sin only led to more shame and more pain. Sin is dehumanizing, is destructive. Okay, last scripture. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the word of God prepares the people of God for the work of God. You, you got to get, listen to me, you got, we're a Holy Spirit church, but we are a church of the word. You have got to eat the scroll. You have got to get the word of God on the inside of you. Maybe you're not hungry for the word. Ask God, say, God, I'm not hungry. Would you make me hungry? Would you give me an appetite for eternal life? Would you, would you help me to be hungry? Scriptures reveal Jesus. Boom. Scriptures are to make you steadfast and solid. The scriptures are to make you wise for salvation. This is what I want to talk about wise. Just can I, if I can talk to you for like 30 seconds more on, on being wise. When you are wise, you make good choices that other people benefit from. Okay? Let's just use, I'm going to use one example, a monetary example, because money is black and white, it's not feelings. The Bible says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I'm going to tell you something that I'm not doing, but I'm about to start. And I'm not selling anything, don't worry. My grandchildren will have money before they're born. Before they were even an idea in any of my children. They will already have money. I'm not saying they're going to be billionaires. I don't know what they'll be. But they will already have money. And this is why. The Bible calls me into account. And the Bible says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Which means that a righteous man can see two generations into the future. And use restraint now for the benefit of people later. In the nation of Israel, they had a jubilee every 50 years, which was the cancellation of the debts of the people, because God wanted to prevent systemic poverty going from one generation to the next generation. So if you want to build generational wealth, if you want to leave your, your children and their children an inheritance, you need wisdom. Wisdom will help us make decisions we are not ashamed of. Have you ever done something stupid? I have. H have you ever done something stupid and been caught and know, wow, that was dumb? <laughs> and then, have you ever dealt with the ramifications of dumb? I have. So I'm not, trust me, this is not a finger-pointing spirit. This is like, listen, I'm extending a hand to you. I have done dumb stuff. You know, one time my car insurance was almost double my car payment. 
And this is Christian, bro. This is sober. You imagine how I used to be. That's why people don't. That's saved, bro. <laughs> it's like, it's like you, you want to talk about? <laughs> Woo! So, so now, that's, can I say something to you? Can I judge myself in public? That is dumb. Like $700 a month car insurance. So I'm not judging you. I'm saying that without wisdom, we make choices that we will pay for later. And you can still go to heaven and live like hell now. You, you can still go to heaven when you die and cause a mess for everybody on the earth. Let's just say, for example, right? You get a speeding ticket, boom. Now your, your, your insurance is going to go up. You got one of those things that you have to pay every other month, the surcharges. So, so you may be forgiven, but yet there's consequences. Wisdom helps you avoid unnecessary consequences. Wisdom will cause you to evade. The Bible says that a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. So that means if you're prudent, you can get out of the way of something that doesn't have to affect you because you have wisdom. So when I, when I say this to you, I want, I want you to really know, I'm not talking about just reading the Bible so you can be more religious and mean and judgmental. I'm saying, man, we need wisdom. We need the wisdom of God. Listen, every time... I make a decision. I want those decisions to honor God, to bless my family, to bless people. And if it's really righteous, then it has to be just. I can't say that I'm righteous and then be taking advantage of people. So whatever is really righteous in front of God's eyes has to be just in man's eyes. So we really need wisdom. And the scriptures are able to make you wise. Having wisdom and being wise are not the same thing. If I have wisdom, I got a little wisdom from my lessons, the dumb stuff I've done. I got a little wisdom. But when someone is wise, they are an embodiment of wisdom. They have become the lessons they have learned. And the word became flesh and dwelt among them. The word has to become flesh in us so that when we dwell among them, people are like, oh yeah, I like, I like what I'm hearing because there's eternal life on that word. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So what's coming out of our mouth should, should move people because it's in alignment with God. We're not talking mumbo jumbo or self-help or some sort of humanist stuff. We're speaking gospel, old school, ancient wisdom, the ancient past, the stuff that it's just unchanging. It's timeless. It's wisdom. We need that wisdom. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom of God that is in the word of God for the people of God to expand your family and to show people that are trapped and lost that they're loved and cared for by you, no matter what they've done, no matter what's been done to them. I ask you, God, to make us living embodiments of wisdom in this season, that we would be those who embody wisdom, that you would make us wise for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.